Well, good morning, church family. It is so good to see you this morning. Uh, as you well know, uh, me and my family are not in services uh, this morning. We have been dealing with a little bit of sickness in our family, and we thought it was very important for us to uh, take some precautions uh, this week. Uh, I've been under the weather throughout the week. Paula has been under the weather for the last few days. Uh, so we took precautions, and uh, Paula was tested, and she did test positive for COVID. We are all doing very well. Everybody is, is doing fine, but we felt this was the best way for us to hold our services this week, and I'm just so thankful for the technology that we have to do this, and Pastor Dave coming in and, and videoing this, and so um, I hope that our worship service has been a tremendous blessing to you already, and we're getting ready to move back into the Word of God. So let's continue with our study. Uh, in the Gospel of Luke, we're beginning chapter number 14, Luke chapter 14, if you have your Bibles, uh, verses 1 through 6. And as we've been watching, Jesus has been journeying and moving from area to area, and he is moving, uh, or they're going back towards Jerusalem, and he's moving to Jerusalem and to the cross. Uh, the last part of his ministry is probably now well into the last three months of his ministry now as they are traveling. And we see a situation here again. Now, Luke doesn't give us exactly place by place where he is going. Uh, last week, we saw that he was um, in the Gentile, or excuse me, in the Galilean area, which wasn't governed by the spiritual leaders, but now he's probably back in Judea. It is the Sabbath day, and Jesus and his disciples have uh, gone to the synagogue through the day, and then now he is invited to go have a dinner, to go dine with a ruler of the Pharisees. And so Jesus and his disciples are going to go uh, and dine there at his home. And as we're going to see in a moment, the motivation for this dinner party, well, it wasn't socializing and it wasn't necessarily festivities. They, they had a plan. But before we get into that, let me ask you this question. Have you ever, have you ever been part of a prank have you ever been part of setting someone up for something fun, maybe a, uh, a surprise birthday party, or maybe you just did something uh, funny and, and, and uh, maybe did a prank on someone, something harmless, something funny? I mean, as, for me, as long as they're not harmful and as long as it's done to someone else, <laughs> I really enjoy pranks. I enjoy watching them and seeing them, but the biggest thing that's so important for a prank to work, and, and if you like to prank people, you need to know this. The most important thing that you need to have is you have to have a good setup. If you don't have the setup right, then the prank isn't going uh, to work. And so the situation that Jesus is walking into here is definitely not a prank, but he knows he's being set up. As a matter of fact, Jesus wasn't fooled at all. No one was fooled by what was going on. Luke doesn't tell us, but I wonder, possibly, as he gets the invitation to go dine at the ruler of the Pharisees' home, Peter doesn't come right up beside Jesus, or maybe Peter, James, and John, the inner circle, come to Jesus and go, hey, hey Jesus, you got to know, this doesn't look right. This, this, there's something wrong with this. This is kind of a, a setup. And and I could just see Jesus talking to his disciples. They had an intimate relationship. I could just see Jesus talking to his disciples and kind of looking at them with a little gleam in his eye, maybe a little smirk on his face and says, yeah, I know, let's go have some fun. And so Jesus walks into this situation knowing full well that it's not what it's supposed to be. It's not set up for being a dinner party. He's, he's prepared for something else uh, taking place. 
And so as we move into this scenario, I want you to understand that Jesus recognizes that he's being set up for something. And I want you to see how Jesus handles it, how Jesus deals with it. Because even though it's not a prank, it is what he's facing is some persecution. And church, we need to understand that in the day and age that we are living in today, and the things that we are seeing is that we are going to see more and more persecution taking place in our lives. And I wonder if we were to be put into a situation the same as what Jesus is put into here, a, a position maybe of persecution, would we stand as Jesus did? And how are we prepared for that? So let's look at what Luke has for us. Let's see what Luke records here in chapter 14, verse number 1 and 2. It says, one Sabbath. Now, it's the Sabbath day again. They're, uh, they're gone to synagogue. He's been invited now to this meal. And one Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of the ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. Now, it's very interesting here that we see that Jesus comes into the home of this Pharisee, this ruler of the Pharisees, and, and as he comes into the party scene, there's a place set for him uh, at the table, and he takes his place at the table. And as he comes into the party, it's a normal party, it looks normal, everything looks the same, but what's so interesting here is what Luke says to us and what Luke tells us about this situation. What's so interesting is that you know, normally at a party there's talking and there's, there's fun going on, there's conversations and all these types of things that are happening. And I'm sure all of that is taking place, but in the midst of that, uh, under the, the hush of all the things that are happening, Luke tells us that the Pharisees that were there, because there were more than just this ruler of the Pharisees that were there, and these lawyers that were there, they, those are the scribes and those that, that took care of the law side of um, the, the, what was the religious area there. As they were all there, and they had all these people in, in the party there, Luke tells us that they watched Jesus carefully. The setup was made. The setup was, was given. As Jesus came into the room, they were watching him closely. They were seeing what was going to happen and what he had to do. And, and interestingly, all of a sudden, while he's sitting there, as he's sitting at the table here, and he's sitting with uh, the people around the table, a man, a, a sick man, a man with, with a, a, a disability who was disabled, uh, known as dropsy, is brought before Jesus. Now, dropsy is a condition where fluid is retained in the tissues and cavities of the body, often caused by a liver or kidney disease, and it could include cancer. So this was a pretty severe disease. This was very well known. There is no way that this man walked into this party off the streets and people didn't know that he was sick or that, or, or that there was something wrong with him. He didn't just come in and this was the situation. This is so clear that, that this was set up. So if there was any question or doubt on where, what was happening here, we can see that we know that Jesus is being set up in this situation. As a matter of fact, it was part of the Pharisees' belief that if someone was sick in their day and age, they believed that they were sick because of some sin in their life. And what this meant for a Pharisee, let, not, let alone a ruler of the Pharisee, is they wouldn't allow this person to be anywhere near them, wouldn't be in their life, wouldn't be a part of their life, uh, and certainly would not be a part uh, of a party or, or brought into this party uh, with this sickness that he had. 
And so all of a sudden now, Jesus is here at the table. The Pharisees are there. The lawyers are there. Everybody else is there. The disciples are there. And they're watching Jesus. And all of a sudden, this man is brought in to Jesus who has this illness. And Jesus recognizes what's going on. The setup is complete. Jesus is now put on the spot. Jesus is being tested. What is going to happen in this scenario? What's going to happen in this situation? Will Jesus pass the test or will Jesus become discredited? And so look at Jesus' response. Jesus recognizing what's going on. In verse number three, he says, and Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? So he called them out on their game. He knew exactly what was going on. He knew exactly what they were doing. He knew it was the Sabbath, and here comes a guy who's sick, and a guy who's looking to be healed, brought in by the Pharisees themselves, and he beats them to the punch. He asked them the question. This is what they wanted to find out from Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, let me see if I can turn this around on you. And let me see what what your response is. And so he says to them, he looks at them and goes, well, so is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? What am I supposed to do in this situation? And just as you would suspect, (laughs) they said nothing. They weren't going to answer the question. They weren't going to be a part of it. They, they, they just remained silent, waiting to see what Jesus was going to do. It says, and they, then he took him, that's Jesus, and Jesus does what he does. He says he took him and healed him and sent him away. You see, Jesus knew exactly. He knew exactly what he was doing. So he beat him to the punch. He asked him the question. And then they give no response. So what does he do? He heals on the Sabbath. He breaks the Sabbath law. Now, the problem is, is that this is what the Pharisees were all worried about. The Pharisees were, were all worried about uh, what would he do, and, and, and they believed in their mind that if he healed on the Sabbath, well, then he broke the Sabbath law, and he's discredited. But that if he doesn't heal on the Sabbath, well, then he's not the loving person he says he is. He's not the rabbi he says he is, and that will discredit him as well. And so as they're watching this and they're seeing what is, what is going on, interestingly enough, Jesus doesn't even hesitate. He asks them their question, puts them in their place, and then he goes forward and he heals the man without even waiting for a response for them. I mean, I know they were quiet, but he didn't even wait for a response. And he heals the man. And the Pharisees at that point, I think, right now are like, oh, we got him. We've got him. But then Jesus decides to turn things around and to stop them in their track because Jesus goes ahead and he does what is the Father's will. You see, Jesus shows us something, shows them something and shows us something here really quick. He shows us that God is more interested in people. Do you remember back three or four weeks ago when Jesus was in the synagogue and those synagogue leaders were all upset about Jesus healing that woman in the synagogue and we learned in that lesson that uh, God is more interested in people than rules? Well, I believe this is connected to the same scenario. I believe Jesus has gotten around the ruler of the Pharisee who heard from the synagogue what happened and they set him up this way on purpose to see what was going to happen, to see how he would handle it, to see if he would heal even in front of the Pharisees. 
there. And the Pharisees all saw this, and Jesus seemingly broke the Sabbath law, which was not a small thing. And Jesus wisely calls out their hypocrisy and stops them dead in their tracks. Now listen very carefully. Look what Jesus does here. It's so interesting. In verse number five and six, Jesus immediately says now, he asks them, can you heal on the Sabbath or not? They don't respond. He heals. They think that they've got him caught. And look what Jesus says. And he says to them in verse five, which of you, which of you Pharisees having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out. And again, again they were silent. What is, what, look what Jesus does here. This is so absolutely amazing. This is so absolutely cool for what, what Jesus does. He understands that the law says on the Sabbath you're not supposed to do any type of work. No work whatsoever. You cannot ex 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 uh, exert yourself in any way, shape, or form. You can only take a few steps. You can't pull anything out or move anything or whatever. And then he puts them on the spot. And he says to them, well, what if it was someone, well, what if it was someone that was extremely important to you? What if it was your son who was hanging uh, there, getting ready to fall to his death in a well? Would you say, oh, son, just hold on, just a few more hours, we'll get past the Sabbath, and then I'll save you? Of course not. You would certainly wouldn't allow your son to, to die in that well. Uh, you certainly wouldn't let him fall to his death if you had any chance or any opportunity to save him. He says, well, I can even go one step farther. See, he wasn't comparing the son to the ox. He was, he was going one step farther. He said, yeah, you'll save your son. I can understand that, but you know what? I guarantee you how important that ox is to you and to your crops and to your farming and stuff like that. I bet if there was an ox that was falling into a well, you would exert yourself just as hard to pull him out of the well as well. You would break those laws. Why? Because those things are more important than any rules that are there. But what would you, what would you do? And so I, I think when he said that, I, I think that when the, they were put on the spot, when he turned this thing around on them, I think they all just kind of looked down. And I thought they, could, they didn't say anything because they, they didn't catch Jesus again. And Jesus took a stand for what was right. And so Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath because this is a creation of God and one that God loves. And I, I believe, again, we see here whether, even though he doesn't say it, it's, it's implied, you hypocrites. Why are you so wrapped up in, in these rules? Why are you so wrapped up in these things and not wrapped up or worried about others and worried about what, what others need? You see, when Jesus was put on the spot, he didn't waver. When Jesus was put on the spot, he knew what he was going to do, how he was going to deal with it, how, what was going to happen, no matter what, he knew how he was going to get through that. He knew that when the setup was done, how he was going to stand strong for what the Father wanted him to do. When Jesus was tested, when Jesus was tested, he stood, and he stood strong, and he made it through the situation. Can I share with you a truth? that all of us need to know here today, and that is this. As a true believer, you are gonna be tested. 
There are testings in our life. There are persecutions that are going to be in our life. And I believe they're coming more and more than we've even seen in our lifetime now. I think we've been pretty sheltered here in the U.S. over these many, many years. But I believe the time is coming when it's going to become more and more and more. We've never seen persecution to the magnitude that many have seen around the earth, but I think there's going to be more coming where we are going to be put into situations where there's going to be a setup, if you will, and we have to determine and we have to make a stand for God. This is nothing new. We've seen this all through the scriptures. We see this all through life. Let me bring some back to your memory of some some big ones that, that maybe we would know. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember the king Nebuchadnezzar said, when I, uh, all the instruments play, I want everyone in my kingdom to bow down to the statue that I made, this idol of me. Everybody's going to bow down. The setup was given. The music was played. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that they were to worship God and God alone. And what did they do? They stood. They stood. When everybody else kneeled, they stood. Remember Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel was told that he could pray to no one but to the king. Again, a, a setup there. And all these people were watching Daniel. What are you going to do? Are you going to pray to the king or are you going to pray to God? And Daniel prayed to God. And the end result was Daniel was cast into the den of lions and God took care of him. Now, in both of those situations, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, I want you to understand, they, both, they all believed that they were going to lose their life for their stand. They had no doubt in their mind they were going to die. But they said, if, they, if we live, we live. If we die, we die. God is in control. They stood strong. They stood strong in the midst of those ad, uh, adverse times. I think of the disciples, all of the disciples throughout Scripture. All 12 disciples, uh, apostles were martyred for their faith except for John, but that's not because they didn't try. Uh, John was boiled in oil, and still, miraculously, God allowed him to, to live through it. And then, of course, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we've seen here, and we will see him uh, endure more. And so I have a question I want to ask. I have a question that I want to ask for all of us. If you were set up, if you were put into a situation like our Lord was put into in this scenario, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Daniel, or the, the apostles were put into those positions, if you were set up, if you were put into a situation where you had to choose to take a stand for God or not, would you be able to stand? If you were put into a situation where maybe even they said, you must stop serving God, you must stop preaching the gospel, you must stop doing this or you're going to lose your life, would you be able to stand? Well, the truth of the matter is no one knows 100% sure until we are in that moment. But I pray, I pray for me and I pray for you, church, that if and when the time would come, and it may come in our lifetime, and we may still see it. Oh, I pray to God he gives me the strength to stand. Oh, I pray to God that, that I can stand for him when these things happen. But you know, it's one thing to hope and pray that you will stand, but it's another thing to be prepared to stand. You see, one of the things that I believe with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and with Daniel, and with Jesus, and, and all that we've seen here, the apostles uh, and stuff, I believe the reason why they were able to stand in those times is because they were prepared 
to stand. They were ready for the setup. They were ready for what was taking place. They knew that at some point they would have to stand. And I want to give you three simple things, things that you already know, but things that you need to apply in your life today that are going to help you to stand. Stand when the setup comes. Stand when the persecution comes. To take a stand for God in a world that is so anti-God, in a country now that is turning away from God. What are three things? What are these things that we must have in our lives? And we see them all here with Jesus in this story. The first is this. You must know, you must know what you believe. You must know now what you believe. It's too late when the setup comes. It's too late when the persecution comes. You must know what you believe. And the only way that you can know what you believe is to know the word of God. You must know the word of God. I'm not saying just know the principles. I'm not saying just know the, the things. You must have the word of God implanted in your heart. The word of God says this, I will hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We must take God's word and implant it in our lives to know it, to live it, to apply it so that when the struggles of life come, when the persecution comes, when the world stands against us, we can stand up for God. We can stand strong. We must know, and listen, you're not gonna figure out what you believe in that moment. You've gotta know it now. You've got to prepare now. You've got to know what you believe. And the second thing I think is so vitally powerful, it was the backbone of Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry, and that is this, we must stay constant in our prayer life. We must constantly stay prayed up. Jesus knew the Father's will. Even when religious laws came in between something good and something great, the law, there was nothing wrong with the law. It tried to make, make people good. It tried to let them see that they needed a savior. It was man's trial to, to appease or, or to be as good as God wants them to be, but it fell so short, way short. But Jesus knew the Father's will. Jesus knew what the Father wanted. Jesus knew that, that God loved people and that in these circumstances, people were more important than uh, th these rules th that were there. And, and Jesus knew the Father's will. Why? Because he was in constant communication with the Father. He knew what he believed. He continually spent time in prayer. He continually prayed over the word of God, continually prayed the word of God, continually sought and walked with the Father, had such a communion with God and the Father, such a communion between the two of them that he knew that whatever he faced, he knew what God wanted of him, what the Father wanted. And the third thing is, is not only did, did Jesus know what he believed, not only did he sp spend time continually in prayer, what we need to do, but then also Jesus unwaveringly trusted the Father. We need to trust God. We, we need to trust God. Well, what does that mean to, to, trust, to trust God? Remember last week we talked about the fact that the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus says, I'm not worried about Herod. I don't care that he wants to kill me. How do you have that? How do you have that stand? How do you have that strength when that comes? You trust God. What does that mean? That means God's in control of our life. Nothing happens in our life that God doesn't already know about before it happens. Nothing is gonna take place in our life that God isn't with us. And the bottom line is that if even if we lose our life, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, and Daniel said, even if we lose our life, we know it's in the hand of our heavenly Father. That to be absent from this earth is to be present with God. That we have nothing to fear. 
Because God is with us and God is on our side. Oh, church, we see here in the life of Jesus as we're investigating his life that even during his ministry, even towards the end of his ministry there, he had to take a stand for what was right. Oh, church, how much more are we going to have to take a stand? How much more are we going to have to make sure that we are following what God has for us? And church, the only way that we're going to stand is when we're prepared. Do you know God's word? Do you know what you believe? Do you know the line you will not cross? Have you been praying and continually in prayer, talking to God on a continual basis? Do you trust him? Even when you look out in the circumstances, go, I, the circumstances look so different, so different than what I, what, what I think it should be, but, but I trust you, God. I know you're in control. The question that I ask of you is, when the time comes to stand, will you stand? And the only way you can is I leave you with this. Be prepared. You must be prepared now to stand so that when the time comes, you will stand. Are you prepared to stand? Are you knowing what you believe? Are you prayed up? Are you trusting God? Then stand strong. Stand firm. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for these folks that are here today. I thank you, God, that even in the world we are living in right now, the, the persecution that may already be upon us and that will be there, God, that we can stand firm and stand strong because you go with us. And Father, I thank you for the technology that we are using, and I pray that you will use it in a mighty way in the hearts of your people. And bless now this week as our church family goes. Keep them safe and help them to stand. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.